it's, it's interesting because uh, for those who might be a little bit more regular than others, we have in the past often our, 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 first, you know, our holiday weekends, we've sort of gone back to a remix because you know, our numbers have, have been down because people take off on holidays because we're associated with school, so there's you know, school holidays, so everyone takes off. But um, yeah, there's still a stack load of people here and kids here and all that sort of stuff, so it's good to, it's good to be part of it again and good to be good to be here with you guys. So this week, um, we're obviously talking about Easter. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty significant week in the, I guess, in the annual calendar, um, particularly if you're a Christian. But before we start, before we get into that, um, I've got a few photos that I'm uh, going to show uh, of something that I, and I'll include a few other people in this room, we did last year. Um, so we've got the first one there. Here it is. Okay. So, Jules is here, Maddie's here, I don't know if there's anyone else. Um, last year, uh, we've, we've, as many of you would know, we, we went over to Cambodia. And, and as you can see those pictures up there, Jules, don't start crying just yet, you know, like the memories flooding back, all that sort of stuff. But um, it's, it was a pretty exciting time. And I'll put you on the spot here, Jules. Okay? I don't know, where'd Maddie go? She took, she took off. She must have known that I was going to ask questions. Oh, here's Bree as well. Bree was on this trip. Um, what's the most... If I, said, if I said... This is not a hard question, Jules, and, and, um, and Bree, you can answer this as well. If I said, what was the most amazing thing, like, not the most memorable, just like one of the most breathtaking things that you experienced in Cambodia, what would it be? Jules? All right, you can say everything. That was, that's, that's not really what I was looking for, but you can say everything. What about you, Bree? All right. All right, so the people, we did classroom stuff, all that sort of stuff, yep. The temples, yep. So we, when we went over there, like, we just saw a whole heap of stuff, and if you, you know, for those people who've travelled a lot, you think, yeah, yeah, it's amazing when you, when you do get to see some things that you haven't seen before. Um, I remember when we walked into the Angkor Wat, so this is, like, pretty amazing stuff, and we looked at these, these amazing structures that, uh, that existed, or that exist, that were built... Um, anywhere from a thousand, six hundred, thousand years ago, uh, and like, you, like the old pictures, just it's one of those things where you can take pictures all day long, all day long, but it just doesn't really do justice to to what it is. And you walk in there and you just think, wow, that really is amazing. That really is some spectacular, um, you know, structures. Like, and then you turn around and you walk a little bit further on, and there's another, this huge huge big stone buildings that they've been standing for thousands of years, well, th thousand years, hundreds of years, uh, and then you walk around the corner and here's another one. And there's just this, and we only saw a small amount, a minority of what's there, like we didn't, we didn't even get to see any, like, like most of it. Um, but like here's just, for one example, here's one place we went to, um, and it's just these old stone buildings, you just... I find it hard to imagine how they would actually be constructed, how many hours would go into that. You know, these, we're talking pretty, I guess you'd know, in some ways we say primitive only because it's, it's ancient culture, but it's probably not that primitive at all. Like, they've got some amazing um, architecture and infrastructure. But the thing about a lot of these were, obviously the grandeur, like the scale of which they're built, like huge big buildings, you know, huge big blocks of stone, all this stone's carved out. But then when you get into the, when you get up really close, not only is it carved, these huge big buildings, but they've got all these little intricate carvings all over. 
these huge big buildings and you just think, what the? Like, how, who sat there with a chisel um, carving these intricate carvings in, like, literally, it would be kilometres of wall um, over and over and over again. Um, these intricately carved, it wasn't on every single surface, but certainly on, on many of the surfaces uh, of this stuff. Then, you look at these, you look at these buildings and many of them look much like that. They've been, you know, it was talk, talked about a lost civilization. Um, if you talk to the locals, they sort of say that it never really was lost, but it just, obviously, the, the dominance of the, the Khmer Empire at the time uh, was lost, and the upkeep wasn't, you know, main, it wasn't maintained, and now it looks, a lot of it is all just crumbled to the ground. No one, well, no one lives there, there's a lot of people live there, it's sort of become a tourist thing uh, and there's, you know, overgrown by trees, it's just been, that's how a lot of it was. Um, and you just think, how can, how can a civilization? just showing some holiday snaps, uh, Maddie, just for your information, <laughs> um, of your holiday, uh, how can such a civilization? Like exist for you know they talk about five six hundred years or something like that. This civilization would have would have been around for, you know, just dominated that part of Asia. Uh, like how they even build it? How did they how did they maintain it? How did they get the resources for this back in a you know, and and then a few hundred years later, it's just all gone. It's just annihilated. It's just rubble. And and the pictures here is how most of it looked like. You know, they found most of the. Um, uh, most of the, the temples and all that sort of stuff are uh, just buried under a whole heap of trees and jungle and, and, and different stuff like that. How can it go from like this amazing, amazing, you know, empire in its time to just piles of stone on a jungle floor? Uh, and, and you think about different cultures and different societies along the way, um, you know, Egyptians and Incas in Peru and, and all these different other you know, there's other cultures who can dominate, but yet they, they fall. There's a rise and there's a fall. And that's like a typical pattern of what happens to many of these, to many of these um, civilizations. There's a rise and there's a fall. Um, but today I'm going to talk about Christianity. And there's something, there's something a little bit different compared to some of these civilizations between Christianity and, and, these, and these cultures. And that is, Christianity rose from not a lot, but it still exists. So Christianity, Christianity grew up out of, a, out of a very small handful of people and, and it's still there. Why? why? Why is it still there? Uh, and I guess more than, any other part of, more than any other part of the Christian story is this key, and we're going to look at this key, and that is, that is the Easter story uh, and, and what, that, what significance that has. Uh, now, there might be... There might be people here today, I don't know, there might be people here today who still may have some questions about Christianity that may still like be going, yeah, well, I'm, I think I know it's right or I'm still sort of, but I've still got some question marks over whether this stuff is really fair income. You know, and people do ask those sort of questions. Um, you know, when you, think, when you think about a Christian, you might think, yeah, but I know a Christian. 
And, you know, like, that's not a real good advertising for who Christianity is. Or I used to work for a Christian. Or, you know, you see some of these Christians, they're so hypocritical. And, and, or you might go down the line of, you know, if God was really a God who loved people, then wouldn't he, you know, wouldn't he help? Wouldn't he answer prayers? Wouldn't he save people who, you know, wouldn't he save young children who are sick or all that? All those sort of things. You think, oh, how can this God really exist? How can God, how can God really be who he says he is? Because of the stuff that happens. Uh, around us um, but I want to I want to spend a little bit of time I guess talking about the, the, the basic message the core message of Christianity and it really isn't people it's not the Christian the Christian story isn't about other Christians the Christian story or the you know the Jesus story is about is about Jesus himself and that's that's a, you know, we can look all day long at, at, Christ, at other Christians and go, well, you know, if they're Christians, I don't want anything to do with it. And that's, you know what, you're probably right. Like, there's, there's a lot of people that you think, if that's Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. And you know what, fair enough. But it's not about the people. The Christian message, the, the core of the Christian message isn't about other Christian people. Um, the, core of the, the core of the Christian message is, is indeed about the Easter story. You know, we talk about these ancient mysteries um, of, of what we had up on the screen there, like these other cultures and, and these things, the rise and fall, and there's, there's sort of typical patterns that, that, that happen, that, you know, there's, um, there's different movements that have happened out, uh, throughout time where, you know, there's people who have been oppressed or there's people who um, have found themselves in a frustrating situation and comes along, someone comes along who's a bit charismatic or, you know, is bold or whatever it might be and they can sort of stand up and they can sort of, they can say, you know, oh, I have a dream and, and everyone thinks, yeah, yeah, the story resonates with them and, and they start, you know, having a bit of a following and, and the following grows and, and then there's a cause and people really see the benefit of what's going on and, and so they sort of jump on board and the movement grows and gets bigger and bigger and, and change can take place, you know, both good and bad, depends on the situation, but, but you know, change can happen and, you, and this can happen throughout culture and throughout time and throughout different societies. But, but the Christian story doesn't really fit that mould. There's something different, there's something, there's a twist to it, there's, there's something that's, that's significantly different about how the, that Christian story evolved and how it's carried out through time. And I guess, you know, coming back to that, it's that Easter is, Easter is that story. And, it, and unless you put Easter in the middle, and, you know, I mean, even the word Easter doesn't, I mean, you open your Bible, you won't find the word Easter. Um, but um, but that, that story of the cross, the Easter story, unless you put that in the mix, even the Christian story doesn't make sense. Like, there's this, it's, this, it's like this X factor, it's this, um, it's this key. Today, or this weekend, probably like maybe like a third of the world's population, we're talking billions of people, will at least stop and pause and think and remember and many will celebrate this whole Christian stuff, this whole Christian experience because of this one event. Yeah, it didn't happen, it's not exactly on this day, all that sort of stuff, yeah, but it's one day that, we, that the world does recognise and does remember uh, what, what's going on. Um, when you go back in time, when you think about what happened after Jesus lived, for 250, 300 years, they didn't actually have a New Testament. So after Jesus lived, Jesus goes back to heaven and the disciples and, and then all his followers, they, they all get together and they, they go out and share the message of Jesus Christ. 
but they never, they never sort of sat in, in a church like Refresh here and they never opened their Bible and went to the New Testament. Yeah, they had the Old Testament. They didn't call it the Old Testament at the time, but they had you know, the, old, the Old Testament writings. But they didn't have this, this, all this news about Jesus. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They didn't have all the letters that Paul wrote. Obviously, Paul was starting to write some of those to different individuals, but they didn't have them all together as we do. They didn't just... They didn't sit and, and, and learn and discover all the stories that we have at our fingertips. But what I'm saying is, it actually would have been really difficult for them to actually carry on the good news, to carry on this message. But yet, even through the adversity, I guess, or through the, the tougher times, these guys still pressed on and still grew, and the church just got bigger and bigger and bigger. While, um, just after the time of Jesus, the, the Jews themselves, Jesus was a Jew, the Jews themselves didn't want the story to keep going and so they tried to stamp it out. The Romans didn't want the story to, to, to keep expanding throughout the, you know, through their cultures and stuff, so they tried to stamp it out. No matter what happened, there was all these people who were trying to stamp out this Christianity but it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's kept and it has lasted throughout time. So here we have this incredible story um, that that created this amazing movement and again with this key and we're going to talk about this in a little bit and we're going to read what happens here but this key is this this Easter message this like and with this if you keep this in mind as the key the core it doesn't matter like I said before it doesn't matter who other people are other Christians or whatever your objection might be if you keep this at core it starts to make sense it makes this story plausible it starts to make this um, I guess a viable story a real viable story. I guess another thing that Jesus, that Jesus went about when he when he preached. Uh, he didn't preach a a story of, of liberation. Like he didn't he didn't come into the he didn't come into the um, into the world and he didn't start doing his ministry and he, he didn't start sort of talking about you know rising out and, and, and you know taking up arms and, and liberating people. Uh, he. He actually, he actually just sort of went about his business. Like when people came to him, there's a story in the Bible when, when basically people were, were trying to sort of who, you know, say, who, who, do we, uh, who do we answer to? Do we answer to, to Rome because we're an occupied Roman colony type thing or occupied um, um, culture? Or do we, you know, or is it God? Who is it, that we, who is it that we answer to? And Jesus turns around and says, you know, give to Caesar what Caesar's, give to God what's God. In other words, he wasn't, try, he wasn't trying to plot one against another. Um, you know, when Pilate, Pilate was the guy who actually, who Jesus stood before, just before he was crucified, um, Pilate said to him, you know, started asking him questions and asked him, are you a king? And he said, yeah, I'm a king. You know, which in the time could be like seen as like a, um, like a pretty bad thing, you know, for one king's trying to rise up, you know, trying to, trying to create this um, alternate kingship, government, whatever it is. He says, yeah, but my, my kingship, my, my kingdom's not even of this world. So either he had to be stupid or he balmy or whatever, but, but he, he, he said here that he said, you know, that I'm no threat to you. So here you have this guy, I don't know if I'm building this little picture where, where this, this Jesus character just doesn't fit the bill. He's not, it's not the norm when, when we talk about rises and falls of cultures and societies. He just... He, from one end to the other, it, it just doesn't fit. Uh, no matter sort of how you look at it. One key thing that Jesus is, I guess, different is that he talks about himself. And 
his message that Jesus has is, is not about... It's not about ideals. You know, you think of other, other, other people who have risen, they talk of ideals, they talk about things that can change and they talk about concepts and all that sort of stuff. Jesus, yeah, he gives a bit of that, but he says, look, the key out of all this is not about those things, it's about a person. It's about an individual. And when Jesus died, when Jesus was killed for being who he was or who he said he was, when he was killed by those um, first, you know, lined up by the Jews and then, you know, nailed on the cross by the Romans, when he was killed, his whole message, his, his movement, everything died with him. When Jesus died on the cross, from the perspective of all the disciples, all his hope was gone. All their hope was gone. Um, no one believed that he would come back to life. No one believed, no one, no one at the time thought that, oh yeah, no worries, we'll just hang around a bit longer and he'll come back. You think about that. You think about this for a minute. Do you think that, okay, like I said before, the whole Easter thing, you know, it's not really on the same day as it, as it um, you know, as we celebrate it. I mean, Easter moves around anyway, all that sort of stuff. But, but you think about it. the Friday that Jesus was crucified, all his disciples are there, all his followers, there's the women there and all this sort of stuff. They're all there uh, watching on, looking on. And they see this guy who has done some incredibly amazing things, who has uh, done some miraculous things. They've, he's, he's met people, he's um, like showed incredible amounts of love, he's, just done, he's changed lives in an amazing way. And now for his trouble, he's tortured to death. And these guys who are following a person have, have in their hearts have had this message that, well, maybe this is, you know, they believed he was the Messiah, they believed he was from God, they believed that something special was going to happen. But right then, when Jesus died on the cross, so did their hopes. So did all their, their, their visions of what might have been or what could have been or how amazing is God. Like you're thinking, where is that gone? And on the Friday when he died... You imagine, like today, Saturday, you imagine, okay, let's say he died yesterday. Today, what are you doing? Today is a day where, where you're just thinking, you're trying to process this whole thing, just thinking, you try and put yourself back there. You try and put yourself in their situation of how they would say, we, yeah, okay, we've got history, we've got, we've got the end result or, or many aspects of the end result. But you put yourself back in, in history and think, what, what would that have been like? What would that have been like when... when when this guy who you've pinned all your hopes on, you've followed around for the last few years, now he's dead. And there's a good chance that they're going to come after you next. Like, when Jesus died, so did their hopes. I'm going to read uh, John chapter 21. Um, and verse 1. And in this passage, it talks about... Um, Basically, it's the story just picked up. Uh, it's the first day of the week, so it's Sunday, and it's straight after Jesus died. Now, basically, what happens is two guys pick Jesus' body off the, gray, off, the, off the cross, and they wrap him up and they stick him in a tomb. Now, early Sunday morning, 
I'll read it. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, okay, so it's real early in the morning, um, Mary Magdalene uh, went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she turns up, she's actually going to, to put some spices and to give, give Jesus a proper burial because on Friday afternoon when he died, they took him off the cross and it was a bit of a rush job because they weren't allowed, to, you know, the Sabbath thing was coming, they, weren't, you know, they, they knew they weren't meant to do anything on Sabbath so they, they didn't want to do anything there so they, they quickly grabbed his body, basically wrapped it up, pretty rough, put it in the tomb. And now Mary Magdalene was coming to, to finish the job properly um, and so Mary Magdalene went to the tomb but when she got there, she saw that the stone had been rolled away. So she came running, so she's like, this is not right. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other, and the other disciple, who basically is John, so John's writing, he puts himself in third person, but the other disciple here is John, the one Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. In other words, she's come in, she's looked in the tomb and here's this empty this empty grave and they're like hang on a minute where's he gone someone's flogged his body so right then you've got to realize that in her mind and in their mind still jesus hasn't come back to life jesus is still dead their hopes are still dead but someone's flogged the body someone's stolen the body so peter and the other disciples started for the tomb so that right let's let's have a look at this both were running but the other disciple john uh out ran peter and reached the tomb first uh, he bent over and looked, into, uh, looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. All right, you might think, well, why didn't he go in? Well, I don't know, have you ever been in a grave? It's probably a bit of a scary thing to poke your head into. Um, but he has a look in there, John has a look in, he sees the strips, like he sees these, the, these burial clothes that Jesus had on just sitting there. And Simon Peter uh, came along behind him and went straight into the tomb, he didn't have a problem with that. He went straight into the tomb, uh, he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, the cloth was still lying in place, separated by the linen. Okay, so you get this picture, there's two separate pieces of cloth, they're actually laid, they're actually being folded up and they're just placed inside the tomb. So these guys are still in that place where they're not real sure what's happening to Jesus. But, finally the other disciple, uh, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and he saw and he believed. All of a sudden, there's a few things that are starting to make sense. And this is the Easter story. And this is why I guess we can get excited about this whole Christian, this is Christianity thing. This is where all our hopes are pinned on. It's this story right here. Jesus died for our sins. So the death was obviously very, very important, you know, that the whole Jesus was punished for our sins. But the fact that he came back to life can truly justify, I guess, uh, and can demonstrate this the whole and validate the whole Christian experience because death didn't have um, power over him and says they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead so they were still a bit unsure about what happened but they began to believe they began to understand um, what what was going on here a little bit now many of you may know this some of you may not but there's a few little things that culturally that happen at this time that make this I guess in some ways a, a believable account of what really happened because of course we can write, you know, the Bible, if you really are a sceptic, maybe, maybe there's no one here but maybe there's some people here but if you really are a sceptic about this whole story, if you really are unsure about its validity, you start to think about 
the logistics or, or about how this was written. And there's a few things, there's a few things about how this story is written that make this seem, I guess, in some ways believable. Number one, the first person to see the empty tomb was a woman. And in fact, if we go on a little bit, um, Mary's still at the tomb. The story is, and we'll read this in a minute, these two disciples, they sort of went, hang on, they've believed, they've gone, you know what, I think, I think something's happened to Jesus. Not because his body wasn't there, his body's obviously missing, but the fact that his clothes, his, his, his burial clothes are still in the tomb says that, hang on, if someone's just flogged his body, wouldn't they have taken the, the clothes as well? But the, but the clothes are still there, so, and then they've clicked, they've gone, they've started to remember what Jesus had already told them, that he would come back to life. And so they've gone, I think I get it. I think we've got it. But Mary... She stays at the tomb and she stays there and she's crying and, and weeping and she's still upset about it. So it seems to suggest that she probably didn't really believe, she hadn't, she hadn't got the concept that Jesus had come back to life. And, and I don't know what the other two guys, why was she left there alone? Did they just sort of think, oh, I don't know, I can't help you woman, <laughs> just have your little moment or whatever it might be. Um, but they've left her in any case, sort of just you know, give you a bit of space. But they've left her there crying by herself. Um, and she's, she's there crying um, the other two go back to their homes uh, and then uh, the Bible says just before this verse that, that um, a couple of angels appeared and they asked why are you crying they asked her woman why are you crying for, uh, who is it that you're looking for and then she, she thinks that this guy's the gardener she's thinking he was the gardener she says sir if you have carried him away all right, she's still in the zone where someone's flogged the body if you've carried him away, uh, tell me where to, you put him and I will get him. We've got to fix this up. So she hasn't believed, right? She hasn't, she hasn't got the concept that Jesus come back to life. And Jesus said to her, Mary. You think about that. Think about if that was you. If you, you're sitting at this tomb, you're bawling your eyes out because, you know, you're really sad. Not only are you sad because you've missed, you've, a good friend has died, your hopes of the future have also died with that friend who's passed away. It was a cruel death. Like, this is traumatic stuff. Then you go to give a bit of respectful burial to this guy and someone steals his body. Like, this is low. You're at, this is, like, you're at the end. And then the gardener, it wasn't really the gardener, it was Jesus himself, just turns around and just says, Mary, or says your name. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She realised who it was. She realised that Jesus indeed had come back to life. And for all those guys all the disciples, all, the, all those followers, um, they, things began to change after that. But going back to what I was saying just a bit before, you know, Mary was the first person to see Jesus alive, first, first person that's recorded to see Jesus alive. Now, if you were back in, back in the day, women weren't even allowed to testify in court because their opinion didn't matter or their... their um, you know, their account wouldn't, couldn't be relied upon enough or whatever it used to be, that's just how it was. But here the gospel story, the, all the gospel writers say that, that a woman was the first. Why? Why would they say that? Because that's what happened. 
All right? They weren't trying to hide the fact. In fact, even if you go back before, the night before Jesus was arrested, all the disciples were with Jesus. And when Jesus was arrested, when, when Jesus actually was picked up and he was, he was dragged in before the courts, all that sort of stuff, all the disciples who actually wrote this message, all the disciples um, scattered and they, and they basically wrote themselves into the story as, as being cowards. Now, if you were the writer of your own story, why would you do that? Because it's an honest account. You see, like, if, if, if this wasn't real, then if, if the whole story was made up, there's so many things. Just a little, another, another little thing, uh, just, just after this, Mary runs back, tells Peter, tells the crew um, what's just happened. Uh, and then uh, they get excited. But just after that, these guys are, are in a locked room they're in a locked room because they're scared. They're still so scared that the Jews are going to come after them next. They're scared because they were associated. They, they've shown their faces. They were associated with these guys. And they're in a locked room um, hiding, basically. And Jesus turns up. Jesus just turns up in the room, just does the whole whatever, come through the doorway, whatever, just, but he's just there. And when they realise, when they indeed realise that he's alive, everything changes because they go from being scared worried about their own lives to, to realizing that Jesus has the power over the grave that Jesus actually came back to life so that really nothing can touch them and a few days later a week or two later these guys these disciples are back on the street and they're, and they're giving a message. Basically, the message was, and they're they just in the face of anyone who wanted to listen. They're in the face of the very people. They're actually talking to the very people who sentenced Jesus to death, who, who called for the death of Jesus. And they were in their face, and they were nose to nose, basically. They were telling them, oh, here's the message we've got for you. You are the one that killed Jesus. Um, God raised him back to life. We've seen him. It's true. And you need to say sorry. Like, you imagine that. Like, that's what they're doing. They said, you need to repent. And they're telling everyone, you guys are the one that killed him. You know, he's, he's back to life. And it was a game changer. Now, they weren't worried for their life. Like, a few days before, a few, week or two before, they were scared out of their brains. They were so nervous. They were all the ones that were going to be, their heads were going to be on the block next, all that. But overnight, they, they, they realised that, you know what? Nothing can stop us. And as you look through history then, as history goes on... Um, the, the changes that took place and the, and the way they just, the gospel message just spread um, and nothing could stop it. There's something different about this story that rivals all the other societies and all the other the movements throughout history. There's something different and it doesn't matter, um, I guess, what perspective you come from. You, you've got to be able to look at this and just think, yeah, there's something that doesn't quite add up unless unless it's real, unless Jesus really indeed did come back. Uh, a bit later on, the Bible talks about, um, you know, there's over 500 people in 1 Corinthians, there's over 500 people that, that, Jesus, that saw Jesus after he'd come back to life, all these eyewitnesses. It wasn't just one, it wasn't just like, oh, I saw Elvis or something like that, you know, there's thousands of people seeing Elvis or whatever after he died, but, but there was, that literally spoke and, you know, Jesus ate stuff with people and, and, and he you know, truly came back to life. 
And now we have this message that, you know what, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how good you are, or how bad you are, or how good you think you are, or how bad you think you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter um, what your objections might be. Uh, the fact is that there's something that's centre to the whole message of this Christian thing. There's something that's, that's different. There's something that's, that's tangible, that's real. And, and, I, and I suppose in a, in a little bit of why this, similar to this, this verse up here, you know, for us, how do we respond to that? I don't know, has anyone ever, figuratively speaking now, but, but have you ever had that moment where, where it's just impacted you? You know what, this message is real. And maybe for you that happened a long time ago, maybe that hasn't happened for you yet. But where, you, where you've really just fully convicted, 100% just gone, nah, that's for me. Have you ever had that moment where Jesus basically turns around and just says, Mary, or Neil, or whatever your name is, and you've gone, you know what, there's something in this message. And I guess that's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we take the time, it's a special time, where we go, you know what, this is the centre of the message. Um, it's not Saturday anymore, where there was no hope, where our hopes had died. It's not Saturday, it's not Sunday either, he's already back to life and we've, we're looking back on history a couple of thousand years. But a couple of thousand years later, it's still, you know, I said before, like a third of the population of the world is, is still following Jesus in some way, shape or form. And we've still got this, this Bible that was tried to be, you know, that the world at different times tried to, to stamp out. Um, we've still got the message because God is in it. And I guess the challenge for us is... is one, to celebrate that, to, to, to actually recognise that, you know what, that is something that's pretty special, that we are pretty fortunate that we have a God who is out there and who is looking after us, who is looking out for us, uh, and to celebrate that. And also to, to make that decision, if that's, not, if that's something you haven't done before, to go, let God into your life, go, all right, I'm going to do that, I'll follow the man, not, not a message, not a, not a way of life, not a, but I'm going to follow, Jesus says, come to me. It's not come to my message, it's come to me. And for, for anyone who may not have done that, to actually go, I want to do that. I want to, I want to be part of this movement. Um, I want to be part of a destination um, that is heaven that, that nothing else can offer. It's something that only, only Christianity can offer, an amazing place um, that's described in the Bible. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so very much uh, that you sent your son... Thank you, Jesus, that you, you did actually come and die and came back to life. And, and the evidence is obviously overwhelming. Yeah, there's always sceptics. Um, but once you dig deeper, and we've only just scratched the surface, but once you dig deeper, it's, like I said, the evidence is just all there in front of us. And I pray. I pray that we might be able to do something with that. Uh, with that. I pray that it won't be just a, a um, oh, yeah, that's nice, that was a nice little story or whatever, but it'll actually impact us. It'll actually... I guess hit us right in the heart where, where we can actually uh, decide to, to, to be a true follower of you and to um, let everyone know that. Thanks Lord uh, thank you so very much for this message thanks for what you've done for us. Love you very much Amen Thank you everyone enjoy the rest of your day and if you're on holidays enjoy your holidays, if you're not too bad, sorry about that I'm on holidays have a good rest of